Yeah, so this is uh, number five of the six-point series on the what on earth am I here for and uh, what am I, what's my purpose. And so next week, uh, Pastor Kurt is going to finish it, and then we'll move on to what's next for the summer. So uh, thus far in this series, we have looked at we are here for God's pleasure. I love the, the opening kind of comments that Kurt made in that. He just said, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about God. God is the originator. He's the designer. He's the creator. He's the Lord and master. We are here for his purposes and his pleasure. Secondly, that we were called to be loved. I remember in our life group, one of our life group members, when they heard that statement, <clears throat> excuse me, we were created to be loved, she kind of lit up and she said, I never really thought about that before, that God actually created me to be loved. What a, what a wonderful thing. Third was we are created to belong, to, to be a part of God's family. We weren't created to be individuals by ourselves. We were created to be part of a global family of people. We have a dear sister here this morning who's from the Congo. For our first time, she's been here. Welcome. <laughs> God has his family all over the earth, and we, we are part of that. We've been brought into that. That was part of his design. Last week, we talked about the fact that we were created to be transformed into the image of Christ. He had a plan in mind, which was to redeem broken mankind and change us step by step until we can begin to live and express ourselves and, and do life like Jesus. And that's just a wonderful thing to be part of. And today... We're going to talk about the fact that God actually called us, created us, called us, saved us to be involved in serving him by serving others, as we want to talk about that today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, uh, describes our wonderful salvation and the beauty of that and how it came about, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, not something that we earn. We don't, we don't make it happen. So we can't boast about it. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And if I can just make this statement, I think the good works of those who follow Christ would be that we would see others become transformed that we would be, in a sense, the Savior, save the world. We're not going to be the Savior, but we can save this broken world by sharing the love of Christ. That's kind of, in a nutshell, our work. Uh, last week, we said that we were called to become like Jesus. Well, in Mark chapter 10, it gives us just a little picture about Jesus. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, you, uh, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So if we want to take on um, and become like Jesus... We need to learn how to serve, serve the people that we meet, not just serving within the church. That's really important. 
but serving in our community, serving spontaneously day by day to strangers that you bump into. We are to be serving like Christ. That's our model of how we do life. Now, in this verse, it talks about, in some circles, it's all about hierarchy and who's in charge, who's in boss over them, and they, this one's boss over that group, and we tell everybody what to do. He said, not like that. But through service, you actually provide leadership as you serve. Uh, in, the, in the study, there's, a, I think it's called an acronym, where letters have a word, each have meaning, and it was the word shape. And I want to just say that we all have unique shape. Right? <laughs> but spiritually also, we have unique shape. Well, what is that all about? Well, we have unique, S, spiritual gifts. When you were saved, in fact, actually before that, when you were conceived, God probably wired into you gifts. When you were created in your mother's womb, he was already building in the things that he designed for you that you would do life in a certain way with your special spiritual gifts. The next letter is H. We all have a unique heart. I had a chance on the weekend on Friday to spend hours with seniors on a bus. And I say that as if I'm not a senior. I think I'm one too. Uh, and we had so much fun, but everybody was so different. Just even the way they talked and carried on and when they looked at things in the museums and the art galleries and stuff, it was just like all these different people, but different hearts. You know, we all express and interact with people differently. Uh, the letter A, different abilities. People can just jump. You see a group of people and something has to be done and you watch people sometimes automatically begin to do what they can do. Somebody's adjusting the tables, somebody else is making sure the speaker's ready to go, whatever. They just, people have all these different gifts and abilities. That's why it takes a, a body of believers to really do God's work. It's not an individual thing. It's a group together with all these wonderful abilities and different personalities. Um, I met some charming people on Friday. Some of them I met for the first time. And the personality some of them had, you want to talk about larger-than-life personalities? They were delightful, you know, just characters. And the way they interacted with each other and the way they uh, looked at things and talked about things and their behavior on the bus was somewhat questionable, but, you know, <laughs> it was all good. But just different. We're just different people. We've been called to serve. <clears throat> and lastly, experiences. When you sit with older people, sometimes the, the stories of life come out, the experiences that they've had, the things that they've gone through. Um, for all of us, we have different upbringing, we have different culture, we have different education, we have different likes and dislikes. Uh, some of us were, have had hard journey in life and some had a very uh, beautiful and peaceful journey, so we're, we're just different by experience as well. So yes, indeed, the shape is different, but all of us can serve God with the way that he's put us together. And it's just mind-numbing to think that Almighty God saw you before you were even conceived, and he said, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to build you for a purpose. 
And sometimes I think we lament about, you know, we've had to go through this or this thing has happened to us. But listen, God's got a plan. And sometimes we just have to stop ourselves and say, just like dear Tammy said this morning, we, sometimes you just got to trust. And say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but Lord, I trust you. And uh, even in some of our children's brokenness, God is at work. We can't see it, but he sees it. And he knows what he's doing. He is doing things that we cannot see. So I want to talk. I've got four points. And I know how to hurry up, so let's do it. Four points, and it's all about serving. Number one, you have to be, if you want to serve God, you have to be available. You have to be able to deal with interruptions. Now, and, and the staff at Hillcrest, we have numbers of premier, like alpha leaders in our staff team. They're marvelous to work with and terrifying at the same time. No, they're good. But sometimes in leading bigger things, we, we really get into a, a rhythm that we have to live in to, to lead bigger things. But I think Jesus was a fairly big leader. He was constantly interrupted. I'm going to talk about that. And there's a tension that's created in us when we are busy and we're going there and something gets in our way. Someone gets in our way. Sometimes it's a struggle between selfishness and selflessness. We have a selfish focus sometimes. Matthew chapter 20, you can read it with me, verses 29 to 34. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them, shh, and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And there's a punchline right there. Jesus Passed them by. No, no. He stopped. He stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, and they answered, we want, we want to see. We want to have our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes immediately. They received their sight and followed him. And I just tried to bring that into the rhythm of everyday life. Is there somebody on the sidelines of my life as I'm kind of hurrying from A to B that's yelling at me in words that may not be words, help me, but they may be other words, but if we could read between the lines, they're saying, hey, hey, have you got a minute? Have you got some time? Can we talk? Uh, can I ask you something? God give us sensitive hearts hearts that can hear. I'm going to read something. I found this uh, in a website. I was kind of trying to find some stories about this kind of thing, and I found this, and it was on a site called the Bible for Normal People. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Why were you looking there? So, uh, <laughs> now this is not me talking. This was written in the story, so just hear it. It's a beautiful little story. When I was a pastor, I had an experience with a woman once that has forever changed my life. <laughs> now, that sounds scary, but it's not. It's actually a very good thing that happened. There were two buildings at the church. My office was in one, and our weekly pastor's meeting was in another. 
One day I was literally running to a meeting from one building to the other because I was late, never been late. Uh, on the way, I ran past a woman whose son had been struggling with depression. As I got to the door of the next building, I stopped and I turned around and I jogged back to her and I said, how's your son? I was kind of out of breath. We chatted for about five minutes and then I went ahead to my meeting. A week later, I got an email from her. I don't still have it, but I wish I had because it was a sermon and to this day, it still preaches to me. I'll summarize. I know you were busy last week, but it meant the world to me that you stopped on your way somewhere else to ask about me. Um, as I thought about it, this is her speaking, as I thought about it, it occurred to me that most of Jesus' ministry was on the way to somewhere else. He was willing to be interrupted, and that's where his interactions happened, in the interruption. Thanks for being interrupted, she wrote. Thanks for being like Jesus. And I would just say to busy Western Canadian people, take this to heart. Think about that. Are, are we oblivious? Do you get, I get tunnel vision, man. I get on, I'm going there. I have to go to that. And I just narrow in. I pretty near get blind to other things. I'm going there. But I think if we're going to be like Christ and serve like Christ, we're going to have to have a sensitive a heart and a, a listening ear, in a sense, that we hear Jesus calling us through a person that we would pay attention to them and take time. And even in gatherings like this, we can come in and we can go out. And I, man, I'm an introvert by nature. People say, no, you're not. Yeah, actually, I've been tested. I am an introvert. I really don't like people, and I find that they're just such a bother. But I told somebody in the foyer this morning, I can do one-on-one, -on -one, but if I have to work a crowd, I get, when I go home, I just kind of like, oh, get on the Harley and go for a ride, you know. Um, second point, finish your race. Finish your job. When you're serving, complete it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, says this, This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the mysteries of God, some mystery from God. Now, I would just want to stop there for a second. I think when Jesus Christ saves any and every one of us in a way that only he can, he actually gives each of us like a special treasure, an understanding of God because of what it's been like in your experience, unique understanding of God's faithfulness, prayer, all those things. You carry a treasure, each one of us, and we don't carry the same treasures. They're all different. We relate them differently, but we've got this treasure. And it says, if you've been given this trust, those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. In our modern Western world, we've changed the word faithful to successful. We have been told sort of in subtle ways through Christian life that if you're really going to be a worthy Christian, you've got to have great success. 
And our culture has been filled for a season of men and women, gifted men and women, good gifted people who somehow forgot the word faithfulness, got caught up with uh, success, and built big things that had a world, uh, a global footprint. And as they forgot about being faithful, they fell into ruin. And what they did became like a black mark because they were more concerned about being successful than they were being faithful. Uh, Faithfulness takes patience and trust. You've got to walk that out. But I would say faithful to Jesus Christ, first of all, but also faithful to our cause. What did he ask you to do? Be faithful to that. Finish well. There's been places in my life where I thought, yeah, I didn't finish that really well. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, and this, again, is still tied to the faithfulness piece. If you give a cup of cold water, it's of high value. If you do some simple act of service and it comes from a good place in your heart, it's of high value. Now, we've got people in the building. Some people met you at the door when you came in. Some people served by uh, getting resources from you and uh, there's sound people working back there where you can't see. Camera people are running. You have the worship team up here. There's a whole dedicated crew working right now with the younger people and with the teenagers over here, uh, serving faithfully behind the scenes, not getting a lot of applause. But it's all important. It may look simple sometimes, but it matters. Come back to the ushering piece. In, in the resources for this study, he, there's a story told of two young teenage guys who went to a revival meeting. When they got there, they couldn't get in. The building, look at the church was full. They must have got there late or something. They didn't see the empty space at the front. Have you noticed the empty space at the front? It's always there, waiting for you, you know. Anyway, so the usher knew there was some space, and he went and caught the boys as they were leaving. No, no, come on in, come on in. Brought them in, sat them down in the front, and as the service came to a conclusion, those two young men gave their lives to Jesus. They were just teenage boys. One of them was Billy Graham. And you know what? We know the name of Billy Graham, but we don't know the name of the usher. But the usher played a part in getting that young guy to the right place at the right time in the plan of God. He was serving God. God and his sovereign he had planned. I'm going to use this faithful usher to catch that boy. I'm going to change his heart in a moment of time. And he became a global evangelist. Everything you do matters. Finish your course. Don't give up. Here's, here's an interesting one. I'll do this one first. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'll just finish the verse. It says, your, your labor is not in vain. Be faithful. Fill it, fulfill it. It's not in vain. We're going to do a, Willard Mitchell and I are going to Eston next weekend to do a, a celebration of life service for Stan King, who is a pioneer missionary to Upper Volta, Burkina Faso, Many, many, many years ago, he, he and his wife invested their whole lives sacrificially in that place. And they did not see a huge landslide of response. They did not. But they faithfully served. 
And people who go to that country now find a Bible college and multiple churches and trained pastors. God is doing a work. They finished their course. It was not in vain, and the fruit is showing up now, and it'll be their reward in heaven as, as they are there today. Here's another one. I just thought about this. Colossians 3.23. This, you know, a lot of us think, well, I go to work every day. Real work, you know, not like preacher work. We go to real work, you know what I mean? You, you go to a job. Yeah, sure, I've done that too. What if you looked at your job and said, I'm going to be the best employee on site, not for a paycheck, not for my supervisor, but Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to serve on my job site for you. I want to work so hard and, and work with such dedication and excellence that it's honoring to you. And I'll tell you what, sometimes people have found out on the job as they've done that, somebody will come along and say, what's up with, what's, what is it with you? Why are you happy with this horrible job we have to do? And why, because I'm not doing it for the boss, I'm doing it for him. They'll pick that up. So you can serve God in the most simple ways, even at work. It's of high value. Do it well. So farmers, this year, let's get those crop rows straight, okay? Let's get them in the field properly. You know, get, get the guidance system working. We used to have to do it by looking over our shoulders. And to my horror as a child, I would look back in the field after working all day, and it was kind of like, wow. Just all day long, it got further and further off. Do it well. Do it for Jesus. Generous, point three. Be generous in your service of self, abilities, resources, time, your smile, your kind words. Be generous. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 to 9 says this, but the sent, this is kind of sarcastic. I think the apostles kind of given the, first Corinthian, the Corinthian church kind of a, you know, they were sometimes thought they were pretty special, I think. And he says, but since you excel in everything, <laughs> in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and, and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. Boy, there's a stingy little com comment. I want to test your sin sincerity by comparing it to the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that his poverty you might become rich. Now, in this room, and there's one near me that would excel in this, knows how to pinch every penny. <laughs> He's not in this area right here, okay, so don't... And listen, there's nothing wrong with being a good steward. I admire that and, and being frugal and careful. Most of our parents would have taught us that. Be careful, you know, with your resources. But listen, it's one thing to be tight about your resources that you've got to live on and provide for your family. But when it comes to serving Jesus Christ and helping others, don't be cheap. Be generous. Be generous. Yesterday on our... There were so many lessons to learn on that bus. And I, I'd never ridden on a tour bus before. And so several ladies, I think it was ladies more than the men, kind of got my arm and pinched. And, you know, they, you know, 
Pastor Dave, you know, it's, it's, it's the right thing to do that we take up a love offering, kind of give a gift to the bus driver. Oh, okay, good. Good, all right. And so we did. I passed this, these bags through the, through the group and they threw money in. And I found that the, the, the little old ladies threw in the most. And the guys were like trying to get change out of the bag, you know. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's all good. Now again, I was embarrassing after I got it collected. They counted it and I had it in a, in a baggie. <laughs> and I thought, if it had been Laura, there would have been a gift and flowers and, you know, a painting, you know. <laughs> I gave him a bag of money, you know. Like. I got to tell you folks, it was generous. He probably made more money off the tip than he did off the day's work. I was delighted. I thought, good for, good for you folks. You're generous. Let's be generous in what we do. Second Corinthians 9, 11 to 13. You will be enriched in every way that you can be generous on every occasion that through your generosity you result in thanksgiving to God. I think that man's heart was touched yesterday. I believe it was. This service that you perform is not supplying, not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because the service by which you proved yourselves will... Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. Let's be generous. Final point. Serving out of gratitude and serving with gratitude. This is going to be short, uh, team, so uh, you can be prepared. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you are some of us in this room, you, that's us. Some of you here, it's not. I'll talk more about that in just a second. But for some of us, we were pretty much a mess when God got a hold of our lives. But he already had died for me even when I lived like an idiot. He had already died for me because he loved me. But I want to say this. I want to completely flip that. If you're here this morning and you gave your life to Jesus Christ when you were a child, a young child, maybe at your mom's knee or at a camp or a, a VBS club, whatever, but you made a commitment to Christ when you were in your tender, tender years and you've lived for Christ from that moment. Maybe you've had some times, but you've lived well for him all the way through to today and you should be the one in the room with the most gratitude because you've been spared a world of ugly and pain. God loved you enough to save you and keep you and bring you through. So if we, if we have to have a, a reason for serving and find it in gratitude, you should be the first on the list. And I thank God that he did that for you. And you need to say, Lord, thank you for so much blessing in my life. And I see that in numbers of you that I know in this building. You serve out of a full heart because God has been, you've lived in God's gracious care for many, many years. And for those of us that found Jesus later in life, we're grateful too. 
So being great for, grateful for salvation, never, never lose. I, I was thinking on the drive-in this morning how maybe the Holy Spirit would create a moment that words aren't going to do, but I would just pray that God, even, in, even as I do that <laughs> across you, that there would be a moment in your heart where you remember what he did for you. Remember when he found you and he turned your heart around. Never lose the wonder of that and serve out of that. I will serve God because of what he did. My last thought in this is this, and I'm going to close. There should always be a sense of wonder about the fact that God would use you. That he, he would choose, this, this holy God would choose to put his hand on your life and use you with all your folly and all your mistakes and all your pride and all the junk that we have as human beings, I'm going to work through you. I want to tell a quick story. When I was a young pastor, 1978, I'd been in the ministry for two years, new Christian, I knew very little about life or ministry as a Christian, really. I was just on the raw edge. I was at Trossachs camp, and one evening service, I was a youth director at that camp, and there was uh, a young guy, and I, I just want to say about people who work with youth, uh, sometimes you have to understand, parents, that youth workers don't like young people because they plan games for them that will destroy them when they play them. And we planned a garbage ball game. If you've ever played garbage ball, it's, it's rugby, football, and soccer with no equipment and full contact. Um, and lots of menace, you know. He dislocated his shoulder. He's standing at the altar. He's got a sling on. And uh, he was a young guy from Pangman, and I walked up behind him, and uh, I wasn't gifted and aware of all these things, but I just... I just put my hands on him, and I was just praying, oh, Lord, let this young man know that you love him. Somehow communicate that to him. And he just melted. He just collapsed, sort of. But as he hit his knees, he slipped the, the uh, sling that he had on. He slipped it off, and he raised his hands, and he began to worship. When I saw that happen, I backed up into a pew and collapsed. I thought, I can't believe it, that God would work through me, what I've been like. Never lose the wonder that God works through you. And as you serve joyfully and gratefully and generously, making sacrifice, just be thankful every day that God would put his hand on your life and work through you. God bless you.